Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. so much for tuning back into another episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is Rob Krejcik, and here is a bit about Rob. He is a thrill seeker, self-professed nerd, question actor, voracious reader, competitor, keynote speaker, and business builder. When he first got his Wall Street job as a sell-side equity analysis out of college, He thought he made it. After buying everything he wanted on his wish list, he realized that he still wasn't happy. He listened to his deep down desire to help more people by leaving finance to eventually own three Anytime Fitness health clubs and four You Break, I Fix cell phone repair stores. As someone vulnerable to technology's addictive hole, From a young age, video games and Facebook in particular, Rob is on a mission to help individuals and companies reduce burnout and get back time to master their careers and lives. He founded Humans First to provide a -a one-of-a-kind coaching experience that analyzes and coaches people's efficiency and energy by paying attention to their mindfulness with technology. Rob thinks there is always something to be learned from everyone, and he let his curiosity guide his conversations. In his spare time, he likes to do CrossFit, better himself through reading, travel, and spend time with his wife, Nikki. So without further ado, please welcome Rob Chat to GEMS Podcast, where we're going to dive into technology, mindfulness, workplace productivity, and what does a four-day work week look like? Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Genesis. Really appreciate you for having me on the podcast and really grateful for the opportunity today. My pleasure, Rob. And before we jump into your subject matter expertise, I definitely want to connect with you on a personal level, and so does the audience. So I'm going to give you two options. We can break the ice up front or play a 10-question rapid-fire game. What would you like to do? Oh, I'll do the first option. Sure. Okay. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) We're breaking the ice with Rob (laughs) Krejcik. So, Rob, share something crazy that you've done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Oh, I'll do both. Um, (laughs) So before my wife and I decided to do this experiment where we went vegan for three months, my favorite thing to drink on the planet was cow's milk because I'm from Wisconsin, the Dairyland state. And so it was like inconceivable to me that I was going to give up milk for three months. But actually, after I gave it up and, um, you know, switched to plant based milk, I really don't miss it anymore, which like blew my mind. So that's kind of a personal thing. And uh, something crazy that I've done in my life. So I went, I traveled to Costa Rica for um, a couple weeks for vacation. And there, there's this, um, platform that's suspended over a jungle canyon and you can do this you can like get uh, attached to this 
platform and swing across the canyon, which is as big as a football field. And when I did this, you actually get faster. You, you like gain more velocity than skydiving. So it was just an incredible rush and obviously scary as hell, but I still really enjoyed it. It was super fun. Wow. Would you do it again? Totally. Yeah, I would totally do it again. <laughs> and then the other interesting fact was um, you don't miss <laughs> cow's milk anymore. So with the plant-based <laughs> milk that you're drinking, do y'all ever make your own milk? No, you know, we saw that there's this company on Shark Tank that's, you know, makes like um, almond milk and, and they're selling it like Whole Foods or something. And we ha we're not super good in the kitchen, so we haven't attempted that. But I would like to try it at some point. I think that'd be fun. Super cool. So let's now dive into your expertise. Um, technology, because technology can definitely be an energy sucker and drainer. And mm. then you know, the mental health aspects around technology. And I'm just going to say this, like, you know, kids, whenever you see kids nowadays, how many times do you see kids playing outside versus inside? Mm. Yeah. So this is like a, this is a very personal topic for me. I'll just share a quick story with you guys. So when I was in high school, I had really, really terrible ac acne. It was very crippling. And this led me to have low self-esteem and self-worth. And, you know, it was really tough for me to connect with people and I didn't really want to look people in the eye or people to see me. And even one year for my yearbook picture, I just didn't go to get my picture taken because I didn't want people to remember my face that way. And so as kind of a side effect of this, um, you know, this acne and the low self-esteem, I actually became addicted to video games. But this was in the mid 90s before most people even had a cell phone. And so I kind of say I was addicted to technology before it was cool to be addicted to technology. But um, the thing that really resonates with me that you just said is I think that kids today are not only getting addicted to video games more frequently and earlier in life, but I think that they're getting addicted to technology as a whole, especially social media. And, um, you know, I was also addicted to social media later on as an adult. I was addicted to Facebook because I I found myself checking it at red lights and at stop signs. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm not, you know, I don't need to fill every spare 20 seconds of my day with something on my phone. And so I kind of had that realization that I was addicted to it. And so, you know, I um, want to prevent other people from going through what I went through. And I see this happening to the, you know, there's 4.2 billion people connected to the internet today. If they're not aware of the ways that they're using technology that isn't serving them well, they are going to get probably addicted to at some point. And, and I just don't want to see that happen to half of the world. Yeah. And it's such a good realization to come to the awareness that you're spending so much time. And one thing that the cell phones do, um, well, I'm an Android user, so I'm half an app. So half Android, half Apple, which is mm -hmm. just weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my phone tells me how much time that I've been um, spending on certain apps and on the phone in general, and it kind of charts that metric. So whenever I see like high rates, I try to be mindful of, okay, is what I'm working on adding value there? Or is it taking away value where I could reprioritize my time and focus on something else like mm -hmm. to increase in my productivity? Because how many times have we all spent time like just scrolling or I just say the SNH scoping and hoping you're just rolling, <laughs> scrolling up and down. And before you know it, 30 minutes goes by, an hour goes by, 
And then you're like, oh my gosh, I've been on this for three hours. And that's yeah. why I refuse to get on TikTok because I heard that it's mm. very addicting to watch Super. those reels. It really is. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, what's interesting is if you look at the some neuroscience They've done studies where they have people use technology, specifically social media, but other types of technology. And then they put you in a, uh, in a machine that measures, you know, your brain activity. And what they find is that using technology, again, especially social media, lights up the same activity in your brain as illicit drugs like heroin and um, cocaine. And so think about this, you know, you sound like you must have good self-control genesis because what you're really doing for people is you're giving them an infinite drug that's completely that's that's free and it's totally convenient and you're telling you're giving that to a 12 year old let's say and who has social media and you're telling them hey um i'm giving you this you know digital drug and i want to make sure that you don't use it too much so just use it a little bit okay and of course as a kid you know, you don't have self-control. You don't have a, a strong executive function in your brain that doesn't develop until age 24 for females and 28 for males, right? It's not fully developed until those age groups. And so, or until those ages. And so, you know, you're giving this kid something and it's super addictive and you're saying, Hey, just use it a little bit. Don't use it a ton, even though it's free and totally convenient. And that is just like a crazy equation to me. What on what planet would we, you know, give a kid, let's say a, a bag of cocaine and say, hey, we just want you to use a little bit of cocaine, not too much. And we're going to give you as much as you want. And it's totally free. So just make sure you don't get addicted. Okay, like that would be totally insane. Yet that's exactly what we're doing with cell phones. Exactly what we're doing. It's just a digital drug, not a not a sub, not a physical substance. Absolutely. And that's where your other part of your training comes in is you help people realize the mental health aspect and its relationship with technology, which if you do mental health plus relationship plus workplace equals what's your productivity. I think let's break those apart because people don't realize like how whenever you submerge yourself in the realities of other people, it can begin to affect how you see yourself because you are trying to look at life through somebody else's lens versus being happy and, you know, wholeheartedly fit, fulfilled and completed with who you are. Yeah, that's a really great point, Genesis. And, um, you know, I wrote this blog post uh, that I entitled eight reasons why social media is the new cigarette. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to go through all eight, obviously, on the podcast. But basically, if you think about it, what you're doing on social media is you're comparing your everyday life, your day to day to everyone's highlight reel. It's like watching the movie trailer, you know, the two minute movie trailer for a movie, right? Everyone watches the two minute movie trailer, and like this movie is amazing. I totally need to see it. And that makes you want to go to the movie, right? Well, it's the same thing with social media. You're just watching movie trailers of other people's lives. And then you're comparing it to your own boring, mundane, regular day life, not your movie trailer. And so like, obviously that's not a fair comparison and you're going to feel crappy as a result of that. And the other thing is, you know, if you think about humanity, right, we used to exist in tribes of, let's say, 50 to 150 people. And so let's say it was half men and half women, right? So if I'm one of 75 men in my tribe, and let's say um, around 10 of them are my age, well, I'm really just comparing myself to 10 other humans in terms of, you know, their abilities, their, you know, charisma, charisma things like that. But now with social media and media in general, 
you know, we can compare ourselves to basically an infinite number of people. And there's always going to be somebody richer than you, better looking than you, smarter than you, more successful than you. That's obvious when you're comparing yourself to that many other people. Um, and so, you know, it's, we're not setting ourselves up here for success as a society or as individuals, when we're constantly looking at all these other people and comparing ourselves to them. Interestingly, as a sort of a side note, you can, if you look at the history of eating disorders, eating disorders skyrocketed in the 1960s. And you might ask why? Well, that was when TV first became popular in household, you know, in households. And so we were comparing ourselves to these movie stars and that made people, you know, have these eating disorders. And I, there's a lot of evidence that shows that um, even today, you know, with social media, it is causing eating disorders and causing people actually to kill themselves um, and be depressed. There's, there's very clear evidence now. It's not, it's not a debate anymore. And so, you know, I'm just here to try to make people aware of these things and help them understand. And, and again, like, hey, it's your choice to use social media. Um, obviously, it can be used for certain things that are beneficial, like connecting with people or for business use. But um, there's so many other negatives that are hidden and that you don't even realize are happening when you're using it that to me, I'm really just trying to generate some awareness for people just so that they can make their own choices about how they want to use it. Absolutely. And everything in moderation. That's the key. Moderation and yeah. really being intentional with the time that you're spending mm -hmm. because you don't want so much time to pass by that you haven't done something productive or fruitful for your overall personal and professional growth. And so we kind of hit on the personal aspects of using technology and how it could play into our mental health and et cetera. Now let's do the flip side of the coin and bring it into the professional setting because we now know companies want everything to be quick, fast, just get it done. And I think technology in a workplace setting, it can be a blessing and a curse sometimes because when you automate so many things, you begin to take away the personalization out of it. And mm -hmm. so from your experience with what you're doing in the professional space around productivity, around the four-day work weeks and et cetera, can you talk about the aspects of technology, mindfulness, and overall productivity as a whole? And feel free to break it down so it's easily digestible for the audience. Yeah, of course, Janice is happy to do that for you. Oh, man, there's just so many, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about with this. But here's what I see happening in today's world. So, you know, people want to work. Most people work because they have to make money, right? Um, the, the American workforce is only about 25% actively engaged, meaning about 75% of people are either indifferent or they don't like their job. That's not surprising. And actually, we have one of the highest engagement rates in the world. So compared to the rest of the world, we actually have more people liking their job than the rest of the world, yet on an absolute basis, it's still relatively few people, right? Only one in four people really love their job. And so you think about that and, you know, most people want to do their job and then go home and do other things, right? Which isn't a surprise that, and I totally understand that and I respect that, but here's what's happening. When we are in flow and, and flow can be defined as a state where you are, um, you know, you're like at the edge of your limits and everything is, is going well. And you're like, just having one of those days where you're just crushing it, you know, that's when you, you feel like when you're in flow, that's what flow is. Well, when people are in flow, they're up to 500% more productive. So 
What that means is if you can get into flow for just two hours a day, you can accomplish more in those two hours than you can in an entire day. So think about that. Two hours of just very focused work is more productive than an entire day. Well, here's the problem. When people are in flow and they're doing this amazing work, if they get interrupted, it takes them 23 minutes to get back into flow. And so here are the other statistics that are important. So the average person checks their email inboxes and Slack once every six minutes, and then they get a notification on their smartphone once every 15 minutes. Well, if you're doing the math, then if we're checking our email every six minutes and our smartphone every 15 minutes, we're definitely getting interrupted more than once every 23 minutes. So what that means is that the average person is never, ever, ever in flow. And that means that we're never doing high quality work ever, any, almost anybody really. And so I see a massive opportunity for companies to structure their workplaces in a way that doesn't allow um, interruptions during certain parts or times of the day so that people can get into flow and really get the, the work done that they need to do. Wow, those are really profound statistics. And as, as I've been listening to it, I'm like, it's so true because our phones are constantly on us. Um, we're not stewarding our time with our phone. And I, one thing that has helped me is putting my phone on do not disturb by a certain time every day, every yeah. night, because I didn't realize that it was affecting my partner. So my husband's totally. sleep, he doesn't like when my phone just buzz, 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 especially mm -hmm. when you get those notifications. <laughs> and that can, you know, sleep is very important. And if you're disturbing someone else's sleep, then it's not, it's not good for them because then you wake up sluggish in the morning, mm -hmm. you're all groggy, you're, you're grumpy and you're like, damn, what side yep. of the bed did you wake up on? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, th that's really great that you mentioned that point Genesis and I can like provide some extra detail about that. So here's what's happening to society as a whole. When we use our technology, anytime we get a notification on our phone, when we check our email, other things with technology, it activates our sympathetic nervous system. Now, this is the fight or flight system that keeps you alive in when in the in, in the event that there's a threat. So for instance, if a saber tooth tiger attacked me, my sympathetic nervous system amps me up so that I can either fight the saber tooth tiger or run away. Well, when we're using our technology constantly, checking our email once every six minutes, that sympathetic nervous system keeps on getting activated. We, we keep on getting amped up and we never have a time we never have enough time to downregulate or recover because it takes more than 30 minutes to downregulate. And so what, what this is doing and people, this is all like subconscious. People don't even realize that this is happening, but what that's doing is that is increasing our body's physiological stress response throughout the day, which makes us more anxious, which makes us more feel, you know, eventually can make us feel more stressed out. And it can also affect your decision-making affect your ability to focus and do a good job. But the other thing is, just like you said, if you are doing work late into the night, it can also affect your sleep. Let me give you an example. Let's say, and so many people do this, this is why I give this example. Everyone's like, yep, I'm just going to check my email before bed. Okay. And like, it might seem like a kind of a harmless thing. And maybe, maybe, maybe most of the time it is, but let's say you get an email from your boss at 10 o'clock and you read it and you, you're pissed off. You're like, this email, I cannot believe my boss said this, what? And so what happens is you get into a super amped up, super fight or flight mode right before you go to bed. 
well, obviously you're not just going to be able to be all amped up and then go to bed in you know, five minutes. It doesn't, your body doesn't work like that. So that could keep you up for hours, which is negatively impacting your sleep. And then your whole next day is crushed because you didn't get a good night's sleep all from checking your email that one time at 10 o'clock right before you went to bed. And so one thing I've done, and I know that this may not be a popular suggestion, but I promise you it can make, you can make it work. If I can, you can. I don't have email on my phone at all in any way. I don't have any mail app. I don't, I don't have any way of checking my email on my phone, except for if I'm in like an extreme emergency and like, let's say I need directions to a party and it's in my email, I can go to my Chrome browser and access my email, my Gmail from that. And then I can, you know, but I do that maybe once a month or twice a month or something. And so by removing my email from my phone, it removes the temptation for me to even check it. And that allows me to only check it on my desktop computer where I'm very focused. I have a very deliberate purpose to do it. I spend ideally 15 to 30 minutes per day in my email and that's it. Now, the crazy thing is the average person, the average white collar worker sends and receives 126 emails per day. If you're taking two minutes per email, that means that, salud. That means that if you're taking two minutes to process every one of those 126 emails, that means that you're literally spending half of your workday sending and receiving email. I mean, how are you supposed to get anything done if you're spending half your day emailing? Your, your job title isn't professional email answer. You know, it's to do whatever you're supposed to do. That is so profound. And I just commend you for not having email on your phone. Like, I don't know how you do it. Um, so I'm definitely going to challenge myself to try to work up to that. But right now I'm going to rock with the DND, do not disturb. But one thing that I did when I was in corporate was I dedicated certain times to read my email and I put it on my calendar. So yes. right, and right when I get into work in the morning, sometimes um, I would start at the bottom and work my way up so I could see the oldest things first to the newest thing. And then I also believed in categorizing my email, whether I'm using um, color mechanisms, because I love color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would use the stoplight um, color. So <laughs> red, green, and yellow. And I would tell people if they send me an email, then put the sense of urgency. And then I will then reevaluate, okay, is this really urgent based on my workload? And then yeah. I'll get it. Done. But of course, if it came from a manager or executive, of course, I would get it done because I was in oil and gas for 12 years and you just don't play oh. around with certain no, things. No, it's serious business. <laughs> That's an amazing point that you shared, Rob. And so what are some other tips and tricks that you want to share based on your subject matter expertise to help the audience? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, You could probably do the top five and then challenge them to go follow you to learn more. Okay. Well, here's another one that I can say. um, And by the way, you don't have to you don't have to delete your email from your phone. Here's another option. It's a it's a it's a it's a compromise, right? Instead of having your, like almost everyone, when they have email on their phone, it's on their home screen, like the very first page when you open up your phone, right? So here would be my challenge to you. You move your your email to the very last page of your apps. And so then you have to scroll a bunch of times in order to access it. Now, there's going to be two things that happen. The first one is that in the next week, when you are on your phone, you're going to open up your phone and hit the space where the mail was so many times you're going to be freaking scared about how automatic it was that you were just checking your email out of boredom, which is, again, like not productive at all. It doesn't do any good for you. Um, And really, it can stress you out. So 
that that's one thing that will happen. The second thing though, is that when you're scrolling to get your mail, uh, you go to the mail app, you could also be asking yourself, do I really need to check my mail right now? Is there a specific purpose or reason why I'm checking it? Or am I just doing this because I'm bored? And, and so we're purposefully introducing uh, what's called um, like a, like a, it's called friction. So I couldn't think of it for a second, but we're, it, we're purposely introducing friction in this process so that it takes more effort for you to access your email, which is going to make you less likely to access it, which is exactly what we want. I'm not saying that you can't, don't use it or can't use it. It's just going to be a little bit less convenient. And that's a good thing. So that's the first one. The second thing could be doing the exact same thing, but with social media. And I, I really, truly, um, I, I really believe, strongly believe that social media is best used on a desktop computer or a laptop instead of your phone because it is Facebook and Facebook and Instagram specifically have been engineered by Mark Zuckerberg with the help of tens of thousands of engineers to make it as addictive as possible. So think about this. There are tens of thousands of people making Facebook and Instagram addictive. How plus they're using computers, AI and algorithms, right? How on earth is the mind of one single person supposed to resist, supposed to resist the efforts of tens of thousands of people plus computer AI? The answer is you can't. It's basically impossible. And so you need to structure your phone or your life in a way that allows you to you know, use social media in a way that serves you. For me, the way I use it is I deleted it off my phone and I only have it on my laptop or my computer. I, and I very, very rarely use it on there anyway, maybe like once a month or something at most. And um, I've just found that, you know, if, the interesting thing is that um, they've done studies about people where they give up social media and, you know, you might think, oh my God, I'm going to miss out on all this shit and blah, 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 FOMO, okay. And yes, like you feel that way, but it's only for about a week. And after a week, like once you get over the week, you're, you're over the hump and you're in the clear. So it really doesn't take that long. It's just a week of pain. And after that, you're, you're in a good spot. So that's the second thing I would say. The third thing is, um, you kind of mentioned this earlier a little bit, but 85% of people have not touched the notifications on their phone at all. None, none. So like, Basically, 85% of people have all notifications enabled, which to me is like totally bonkers because I, I get like, uh, I don't know, between like 50 and 70 notifications a day. And I still, um, I still think I have way too many. So um, my suggestion is you can just go into the notifications part of your settings. And then I have decided to toggle everything off except for phone calls, text messages, and uh, travel related stuff or delivery related stuff, you know, like, I want to make sure I don't miss my flight, for instance, or if my flight is delayed, I need to know that, right. But everything else is completely is completely turned off, the notifications are turned off. And that way, you know, you will, once you do that, you'll be like, Oh, my God, I don't know how I had so many notifications and how I could sift through all that crap. Like, it's just debilitating. Um, so that's probably another one. Um, the other one is, and like, this is something that people don't think about, but I think is, is super important. So for every hour you spend doing work on your phone. And when I say work, I mean, like answering email or, you know, doing other work related things that you could be doing on a desktop, like searching on the internet for something. 
it generally takes people like twice as long to do something on a phone as it does on a full screen computer, a full size computer. And so basically, if you spend an hour working from your phone, you could have cut that time in half and spend half an hour on your computer. Or for instance, if you're someone who I know people who they manage businesses from their phone, basically exclusively and almost don't use a computer in an eight hour day, that person could just be working four hours on a computer and just, you know, do their work more efficiently from a computer. And so I, I and I know that, and I, I'm, I'm aware the reason why people use a phone is because it's more convenient, but sometimes convenient isn't more productive. And so you need to ask yourself, what's more important? Is it more important that this is convenient or is it more important that I'm productive? And then you make the decision what's right for you. But I do everything humanly possible to funnel all my, you know, um, business communication through my email. And I do as much work as possible on my desktop computer. And when I'm on my phone, I just use it for other things like connecting with people or texting, you know, but I, I, I don't really try to use it for work, like productivity stuff. So hopefully that's, uh, hopefully those things are helpful. Those are amazing tips. And I'm going to just pull, pull a challenge out. Everyone, I'm sure your phone is near you while you're listening to this segment. So grab your phone and begin to apply some of the things that we mentioned here. What notifications do you need to silence? Ask yourself, is it adding value? Is it distracting me? Or is it derailing me? And silence them. Or... Another thing, sometimes I just look at my notifications. Sometimes I have 30 or more. I just go down to the bottom and hit clear, clear all notifications. And then whenever I think of something that I need to do that's important, I'll go back into that app and I will look at it. But I don't need to spend time going through every single notifications because it could be someone liking your post. It could be someone doing this or that. And that's not adding value. And then there's also um, apps on your phone where you could set specific timers on it, where it will block you, block out a set time for you to use it. Kind of like what mm-hmm. we use for the kids on their iPad. They have certain amount of screen time. Well, try implementing that on your phone as an adult and then reprioritize the time that you're saving by not being on your screen to maybe journaling, maybe getting in some fitness maybe meal prepping or batch cooking or whatever, and then start to see how you're able to get more things done on a productive basis. So that's just a challenge. And I know that you have your phone next to you. Don't say you don't, because I know (laughs) it's right there or in your pocket. Um, So now let's jump into the call to action part of the segment. Rob, you gave some really amazing tips and we talked about technology. We talked about mindfulness, mental health, and just overall productivity. So when someone hears this segment, what is your challenge for them? Or where do you want them to connect with you? Whether it's your website or where you primarily hang out on social media. Yeah. um, So I named the company Humans First because humans are not first in our world anymore. Um, The statistic is that in America, and this was before COVID, so you can't blame this on COVID. This is a pre-COVID statistic. The average person in America spent 12 hours and 21 minutes a day in front of screens and media. Or let me put another way, we are literally spending three quarters of our waking life in front of screens. And so 50 years ago, humans were first in our world. We socialized with people. We would go out to dinners with people. And I'm not saying that we don't do those things, but we definitely don't do them in the same capacity that we used to. And so my challenge to you would be, instead of spending some time on your screen this week, 
just cut some of the time out. Let's say you take an hour, right? Take an hour of screen time away from what you were doing with on your phone or, or your computer and spend that hour and call someone or Zoom someone that you haven't seen or talked to in at least three months. The statistic about closeness is that um, the, ch- the sense of closeness between two people drops by 80% if the people haven't seen each other in five months or more. And so like the general, so what that tells me is that if I want to maintain a sense of closeness between me and another person, I need to see that person in person, like not on Zoom, not on a phone call, but in person at least three times a year. So my challenge is call or Zoom someone that you haven't seen in at least three months, or ideally go and meet them in person, right? At a coffee shop, do or do whatever, go bowling. I don't care. Grab a drink, do something fun with someone in person. And I promise you that the, and, and I get that some people are a little hesitant because of COVID or because, oh, you know, I haven't done, gone out in a while. You know what? Here's the thing is, if you, if you connect with someone that you care about, I promise you that you're going to feel so much better at the end of that one hour that you spend with them than you would have if you're on social media. I, I, I guarantee it. And so I, you know, and, and that's kind of the reason why I created Humans First is I see that technology is impacting relationships and our society and the fabric of what we are as humans in a negative way. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can reverse that a little bit with some education and some awareness, like you were saying earlier. And, um, you know, if people are interested in chatting a little bit with me, I would, I do have an offer that I will give in conjunction with your uh, podcast here, Genesis, I would offer anyone a free 30 minute consultation with me. If you go to my website, uh, you can go to humansfirst.us and you can enter, you know, there's a couple buttons there where you can enter in your email and just get in contact with me and mention this podcast. Or what you could do is you can also email me and my email address is rob, R-O-B, at humansfirst.us and just email me and say, hey, I'd like to take you up on that free 30-minute um, consultation from the from the GEMS podcast and I will definitely connect with you. So happy to happy to chat with you and talk to you about how, um, you know, you can better use technology to make your life, um, make your life better. Amazing. And thank you so much, Rob, for your generosity and doing that for the community. That's amazing. Um, Listeners and viewers, all of Rob's contact information will be in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see all video components over on YouTube by typing in at gems with Genesis Amaris Kent. And last but not least, thank you so much for tuning in on a consistent basis to support the mission behind GEMS, which is to bring educational topics, inspiration, and motivation while we intersect diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And now because of you, I just checked some incredible metrics and see that we moved up from the top 3% to the top 2.5% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So thank you so much. Um, We wouldn't have reached that success without you and without incredible guests that come in to the community, such as Rob and others. So I challenge you to go learn more about yourself and really be intentional with the time that you're spending in technology and try to diversify that time so you could spend time doing things that you love, connecting with your family, your friends, 
health and wellness and overall things to promote that total alignment, mind, body, and soul. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Go out and have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.